Hello, and welcome to Reanimated, everybody. This is episode 343. This is Stuart. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me from COVID Central, now she's got it, AJ Conrad. Yep. It finally got me. Sad, sad state of affairs. I'm disappointed in you. I was disappointed in me, too. But you really, were supposed to be the chosen one. You should be disappointed in Bill. <laughs> is that the source? Yeah. I, you stayed away for how, uh, how many, like two so weeks? I, I stayed away, but I got it within like a day or two of coming back to the apartment. So it was probably just because it was steeped in the apartment or something. He insists that's not the case, but we all know it's he, him who gave it to me. Um, <laughs> at this, I'm sorry, at this late stage of the pandemic, nobody knows. Stuff is I everywhere. Know, I know. I'm, and you know, have to just say thank, thank you for vaccines because I don't think that this would be great if i hadn't had those so all good um there you go. but hopefully get through this pretty quickly um the fatigue has been the worst part of it i think i have the cough too i don't know if you had that that was way back in february yeah <laughs> uh, and taste but and smell he got that that hasn't done anything yet but interestingly bill didn't he kind of had a day where he lost it and then it came back so i haven't necessarily had that experience yet yeah I think um, it was just but, a day for me also. And and it was after I'd stopped testing positive. It was weird. Uh weirdly, um, I have only tested positive on one day. Um, I have tested negative since the first day I tested positive. Um, which is weird, right? Very strange. And, um, uh, and, you're, and you're... people were like, Oh, is that a false positive? And I'm like, No, because I we did three tests, so it's pretty pretty positive. So uh three different types of tests. So yeah. Um, I don't know what the deal is, but there you are. Um, anyway, uh, that's that. COVID finally, kindly, finally came true. <laughs> yep, there it is. Well, um, thank you for podcasting despite your ailment. Uh, yep. We are here to talk about Tales of the Walking Dead, the show I was so hyped for. And I'm excited to talk about those first two episodes with you uh, yeah. today. And then we have a little bit of news before we can get to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's, let's, let's do it, though, because I'm excited to talk about this with you. Yeah, uh, there, there's not a ton. Like, what I'm looking for when I kind of comb for news is news about new projects, mostly. Yeah. That's what I'm most really interested in. And we've talked about some earlier this year that just haven't shown up again or haven't yeah. shown up yet. Uh, unfortunately, the only upcoming project... Uh, that I saw any mention of this week was something called Project Legion, which has a trailer on YouTube, which is uh, stars a, a UFC fighter named Cowboy Cerrone. But from the from the trailer, it looks pretty weak sauce. Yeah, if this, I mean, we were just talking about it, but uh, this is the best that they can pull right now to do their trailer. I I think this does not bode well. Maybe I'm wrong, but it does not look good and. Honestly, the effects are pretty, pretty terrible. Um, and they can't even cover that up with very quick editing and quick cuts. <laughs> so, yeah. It was a lot of just him on screen by himself, yeah. too. And I'm him, like, him this guy's just, like, him not being a like, veteran actor. Like, what no. are you doing? Why not give him some help? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I don't know that he can care. And it's sort of like, it seems like a locked in kind of like solo, for the most part, solo thing with him. And I'm like, mm, I don't know that this guy can carry it. So anyway. We'll see what happens there, but probably we will not be reviewing that one, I hope. Um, yeah, that's probably yeah. not going to make it. Uh, there's also a lot of uh, stories today, anyway, about the upcoming season 11 of The Walking Dead. 
apparently Nicotero did a uh, Greg Nicotero. That is, I feel like when I say his name, it sounds like I'm saying Nick Otero. Yeah, I know. Uh, but we no, all yeah. know who it is. Come we on. all know. We all know. Uh, so Greg Nicotero did a, an interview recently where he was explaining why they've introduced a different kind of zombie now at this late hour in the show. I mean, it's probably for a few reasons. Uh, one, to just like reinvigorate on their way out a little bit. And plus they're, you know, spinning off. And so why not sh- shake it up a little bit? But also uh, it's to um, it's to make up for the fact that they had a lot of inconsistencies when they were first right. doing the show. Right. Or they felt like they could get away with it because they had those inconsistencies. Well, it's like paving a way for them to explain yeah. it. Yeah. 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 But it's yeah. really it's really just some revisionist stuff. Yeah. But yeah. So some of the things that we, we even mentioned in our very early podcast about The Walking Dead show where you see zombies doing weird stuff. And they mentioned it in the interview, too, where Nicotero's like, yeah, there was a scene where there was a zombie trying to break into the department store with a rock on the window. And that was like a direct homage to uh, the original zombie in Night of the Living Dead, right. which uh, conveniently we just re- uh, re-released all of those encore episodes. I don't know if anybody got a chance to listen to those, but we talk about how the zombies are using tools in that film. Um, and so they were doing that in The Walking Dead, which felt odd to us at the time. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about the fact that we were like, wait, they can use tools. This is a little weird. And then that never happened again. But now that explains it, that they were kind of like trying to do some things with it. And then uh, I guess decided, oh, wait, this doesn't fit in with what we're trying to do. And we're going to pretend that never happened until now. (laughs) And and now it does mean something. And I mean, uh, at the end of uh, that post credit scene or whatever it was that they did, in France, where wasn't there like a super strength element? Yeah, I thought there was a zombie yeah, coming through a metal door. That was definitely a super strength element. So and we'll that's not that. one of the features no. that they were highlighting or you know, like accidentally showing in those early episodes. So that it, I think we are going to get some of it's like, you know, CYA and some of it is like, oh, and plus super strength. Yeah, so it'll be really uh, I don't know. It's I'm a little I skeptical, mean, but I think it's just because they're French zombies and the French are very strong. So, you know, I think we just have to accept that they're going to have superior zombies. Wow. What a generous interpretation. More croissants mean more strength. More strength. If that were true, I would be very strong. Me too, because I really like a good croissant. (laughs) So revisionist CYA aside, uh, they are bringing in these these new new strains of zombies uh, when the new season begins in October. Um, and so we will be there to to talk about those in great detail at that time. But Nicotero is already out there telling people why they did it. Yep. And I'm glad I'm kind of glad they're being honest about it, too. Right. That's yeah. they're not they're not trying to just uh, sweep it Act under like the rug. They, yeah. Yeah. And they're not acting like, oh, we this was our plan all along. I kind of like that. They're honest about that. Oh, we, we were we were messed up at the beginning. We, we didn't know all... what we were doing. Right. So, uh, that's yeah. Cool. And it's also cool that it was because of Romero, like. Right, right. That was their DNA. Yep. Uh, especially for Nicotero. Um, so in the DNA of uh, Mythic Quest, uh, here comes another article. <laughs> it's actually not like related to Mythic Quest at all. Mythic Quest took this idea from World of Warcraft. Um, right. But World of Warcraft has some event coming up. I used to play this game. I haven't played it in so many years. I don't know what's going on. I've never participated in one of these. But they apparently have a server or maybe, you know, universe-wide 
zombie plague event happening to uh, as a pre-patch to an upcoming uh, Wrath of the Lich King classic event. So and what this does is it basically players can get infected and they will turn into zombies and then they have the ability to basically eat other players. Also, uh, non-player characters like people like quest givers and shopkeepers and what can also be susceptible to this zombie plague that they're releasing into this online game and then they will eat the human uh you know player characters which um i think is is like fun and kind of a drag because if you're in the game just like hang out with your friends and and like go on raids or whatever it is that you're playing wow for this many years after that game came out right um it can be maybe like not quite what you're expecting but i guess they're they've done this before and it's it's um fairly infamous uh, as far as these events go and i i have a feeling the mythic quest blood plague uh, storyline yeah. came from this concept too except in the, in the show it like got away from the programmers and they like lost right. control right. of the blood plague but uh i don't know if you have donated any brain cells to thinking about stuff like this or if you think it's cool or what aj I mean, I think it's cool. This is not my world, as you know, so I, I leave it to you to, to sort of make the, the commentary on this. However, I do like Mythic Quest, and I think that's a fun show, so, you know, <laughs> it's all good. That's all I have to say about that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. Like, If anybody plays WoW and has done one of these before, I'd love to hear more about it, so um, give us a holler. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so, you know, WoW. Coming to WoW soon zombie plague yeah. uh, actually really soon i think like next week or this weekend um and then and finally <laughs> finally uh apparently they unearthed, unearthed a uh, 17th century grave and uh in poland in poland and discovered that there were some anti-vampire things done to the corpse it was a woman they make a lot of conjecture about why um but you know this isn't something unusual during that time just because they were so people were so afraid of people coming back um often they were afraid of women coming back but the precautions in this case were um a sickle that was across the neck and if the corpse moved it could i guess behead the the woman vampire what's funny about that is the assumption that when a vampire comes back they immediately sit bolt upright i know so quickly that a sickle placed in front of them would cut their head off i just i thought that was kind of hilarious so there's that and then the other part which is a little like weirder and probably harder to put in place but um she had a padlock on her toe um which would supposedly stop her from walking and i guess these are things that they used to just do as a matter of course um the article goes into a lot of like detail about whether she was mentally ill whether she was like accused of witchcraft, all this stuff that they're making conjectures on, honestly, on that. I, I don't think that they really have any idea. Um, I mean, they but, also say like women were susceptible to this sort of treatment because of things like, oh, not wanting to marry somebody, right. maybe having a miscarriage, like, you know, there were all just be grateful that we weren't born in uh, 1650 or whenever this poor woman was alive and was um, yeah, maybe you know, murdered and placed in a grave like this. I often think about this when there's like time traveling things and when people are like super into all these kinds of like, um, you know, like, oh, if we, if we went back in time, it would be a simpler time, a purer time. And I'm like, yeah, not necessarily a more fun time for women, especially so. 
um, and also, you know, vaccines. So um, that, you know, are great. Um, but, um, you know, I think that, but it it is kind of interesting when they find this sort of thing, sort of in the same vein when, you know, that used to have the, um, you know, the bells by the graves in case people woke up or weren't actually dead. So hmm. there's that. Um, but anyway, kind of a cool article, though. So we'll put it in the in the show notes. Um, but without further ado, um, I am going to be, you know, a suspicious woman and start to talk to you about Tales of the Walking Dead. Suspiciously, no doubt. Uh, so I don't know how high your hype was when we started uh, this show. It was, it was pretty high. I was really excited for this. And I will say, hands down, this didn't disappoint, at least these two episodes. So I'm pretty excited to chat about this with you. Man, uh, me too. Um, and yeah, let's, there are some these two episodes are very different, like night and day different. And they're different from things, other things that have come before them in the walking dead, other than the universe that it's in. And the second one we're going to talk about might not even feel like the universe, except that it's in Atlanta, like at the beginning of the apocalypse. Right. Well, and this, and that's the thing about these is that what I think is kind of cool about it is that they have, they are giving themselves a pretty uh, broad palette, so to speak. Um, they're not limited by a lot of the things that the shows are and they are really going all the way out there. So I almost, and this is a little bit of what they were saying when we, we they started teasing this is that it was almost like a twilight zone ish thing. And that's definitely the vibe I got. I don't know. Um, meaning there was a lot that they could do with this. There's a lot of like parameters that they bust through um, specifically with this second episode, but they're not limited by a lot of the storylines and things that they put in place with the OG Walking Dead. Um, so anyway, let's let's chat about it. But yeah, but this first. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. All I was going to say is that this is the most fun in terms of like being part of this universe that I've seen in a while. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's great. Fully. Um, and I think part of that fun is not just the script, but also the way it's been produced. And in this yep. first episode, there are some musical treatments that just, and it's it's not like consistent, but what's consistent about it is is how lighthearted I think the music is in this first episode. Um, the first piece of music you hear is like a drumline theme tune for the show. Um, and I think the uh, the credits were different for both of these episodes too, or the title credits, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, and this first one kind of opens with Terry Crews watching a football game on TV. Uh, yep. We know, we're primed to know that this is probably during the apocalypse because he is immediately, like, uh, reciting the commentary from the yeah. game before the commentator says the says what he's saying. Uh, and then not long after that, we we see, like, oh, he's got on a... On a whiteboard, I think he's written 402 days since the world blew the game. Yeah. So he's like this crazy sports fan. He talks to his Doberman um, and he talks to his TV. And Gilligan is the name of the Doberman. And I was immediately like, oh, that's cute. Gilligan's Isle. Um, so that was cute. Um, but um, I think that the, it's the treatment. Um, it feels like a little mini movie, which I also really like. And what makes you feel like it looks it, it's like a movie? Um, they, the editing is very, um, 
it's a little bit of I was trying to think of the movie that this specifically reminds me of, but it was a little bit of um um like, you know, the last man in the world, right? Um so um like they they kind of go through the routines um immediately with the way the music was going and sort of his routine and day to day it had a little bit of Shaun of the Dead going on, like the cuts and things about not quite as quick cuts, but to get him into the narrative. So you get the time passing and things like that. Also a little bit of lost. Remember when they have uh, the character who's just sort of like, after we've seen everybody else in this sort of bereft state, this character has all these resources and things like that, but he's all alone. At least, at least uh, Terry Crews has the dog. Um, but that's that that's the part that reminded me a little bit of the um, um, oh gosh, what, what, why can't I come up with it? This is a little bit of brain fog. I'm sorry. Are you talking about the Will Smith? Yeah, movie? yeah. I am um, legend. Omega, I, am legend. I was like Omega Man. Yeah, uh, I am legend. Right. And yeah. what's interesting that you bring that up is that this episode is directed by Ron Underwood. Ron Underwood, while he did not direct Lost episodes, it looks like he is primarily a TV director he mm-hmm. did direct several episodes of fear the walking dead and before you boo although you can still boo he directed cindy hawkins which is the last yeah. fear the walking dead episode where and there was, was bunker one. scenes yeah and the bunker montages were interesting there were some problems with that episode mm-hmm. uh you know mostly because there were there were problems with that episode we talked about it not too long ago so i'm not gonna drag them back up but uh, I but will also, but I will also say, uh, interestingly enough, he also directed Tremors, the um, movie with Kevin Bacon. Yes, so he's got a thing about the bunker stuff because don't you remember there was like Doomsday Preppers and that? It was the Reba McIntyre character. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know he doesn't not have film sort of chops. No, um, it's just that his film credits are quite short. It's like I mean not short, short. short. He did like nine movies, but. Mm. Um, yeah, it's. I just think the Cindy Hawkins thing is is so recent and in the universe, and featured uh, wake up in a bunker montages, just like uh, you have for Terry Crews here, the first part of the episode. And it's funny he gets two because one is pre Gilligan and one is post Gilligan, not pre Gilligan, but during Gilligan, I guess, and yeah, then one yeah, is yeah. after Gilligan. Sadly, uh, very sadly, um, gets uh, taken out despite all of his precautions. So that's kind of sad. Um, yeah, and the precaution, like the, when the little fence comes up. Oh, uh, it's so good. That was that was pretty. Like this guy clearly has thought about a lot of things, and they, you, you know, it, they they do a really good job in this episode of making Terry Crews's character, who's Joe, and uh, they make him like likable and unlikable uh, by turns. And it's not like it doesn't give you whiplash because I think you just see that he's he's a flawed person. He's like, he's just, well, you do, but I like how they do it because it's like, you don't immediately know that this is, you know, yes, you know, he's really prepared, but you also don't know what his life was like before. And then they kind of reveal that in a really cool way. Um, and you know, it's the crisis of losing his, his little buddy Gilligan that he, he starts to feel the loneliness a lot more and starts to feel really isolated and wants more. And so I did like the narrative, like I love the storytelling here because so much of it is like there isn't a lot of dialogue other than him talking to the dog and talking to the screen, um, meaning the football game. But once he starts reading those transcripts of his like old Internet chats, they do yep. actually introduce another voice. Yep. Um, and I was half convinced it was Olivia Munn for part, you know, I a long too. part of the episode. I- 
I was too. Like that was my immediate reaction. But then I was like, no, like she would have like picked up, like she would have picked up on certain things. Like even if um, at some point, if it was her, um, but I actually loved the direction that they took with it, that it wasn't her. No, so. Me too. That would have been too much, too, too much uh, for them to introduce her that way. Uh, and it's also kind of, um, and this comes up, this is how I was feeling later also, but it's just, his dog dies, which is what pushes him to do this journey. Uh, but also how insulting is that for whoever he's going to find? <laughs> right, right. My dog died. So uh, now I want to find you. Uh, yeah. So I'm here now and uh, let's just, you know, um, so it's kind of, it's better off that it works out the way it does. Obviously um, the, his motorcycle is really cool. This guy is prepared. And I like that. I like the detail that they spend. They don't go into it exhaustively, but they they use uh, their set. They use their props to demonstrate that Joe is very prepared. And um, and I, I appreciated that. And that motorcycle with the like the electric motor is super cool. I don't know how realistic it is. The solar panels on it are teeny tiny. Um, so I'm not sure that it could actually like power through 700 miles or whatever it is that he has to go drive from um, Ohio to Michigan which is, and you know what, that's what's cool about that too. I complained about this a lot during the world beyond, uh, but they finally did not just skip the Midwest. They, oh. they actually kind of well, in one episode, but they right. traveled through the Midwest. Right. Uh, it doesn't take very long for him to be introduced to Evie, the other character um, in the, in the title of this episode. I don't know that she ever introduced herself. Maybe she did. And I missed it. But I basically was just like, what is Olivia Munn's character's name for a while? Eventually, he just starts calling her by her name. But I don't. Was there an introduction scene? I don't know. I feel like there kind of was. Um, but there's also a weird thing before where it's like she starts talking about her husband and he starts using the husband's name, which I don't think she said. So I don't know if we missed something. But anyway. Uh huh. Um. But in any case, I I like their whole introduction is pretty good. Um. Their interactions are have enough conflict, but there's positive stuff too. She's a very positive person, and I right. think that makes her quite likable. Even though she's she has waylaid him, she's hijacking him, she's taking his stuff. She's being so nice about it all, right? She's not trying right. to kill him and take his stuff. Right. She totally could have because she has him in the net, right? Right. Uh, but instead, she's like she'll bring him into the house. Then she'll tie him up and say, oh, you know, don't feel bad that I'm going to leave you here because this place is awesome. And it's got organic everything and lots of weed. Uh, so but the, like her positivity is part of the episode, part of the storyline. Also, um, he, he calls her naive later on um, right before she rips his heart out. Uh, <laughs> and he quotes her back to herself by the end of the episode. And I thought that that was. Like what a journey that the this episode even takes you on in forty five minutes. I think it's just yep. super powerful. That's what I'm saying. It's like a little mini movie, which is, and they they cover a lot of ground with it, and it's fun. Um, and I especially like um that you know, his whole dream of meeting this this other prepper. I mean, I think we could have predicted that maybe the other prepper also has issues and things like that, and it did not disappoint. Um. But I really loved how all that unfolded. Um, and I also love how Evie ultimately rescues him. Um, 
because she has been paying attention. And so she, you know, just in even how uh, whatever you should be scared starts uh, talking about meaning her her online handle, um, you know, she seems incredibly sketchy, so anybody's antenna should be up. But did, did she though? I thought that they actually un, like they unfolded that very well. Like when he's walking down, first of all, the first thing you notice in her bunker is how much nicer it is than his. Oh yeah, but, uh, with the no, lighting. No, no. Oh, but yeah. then as they reveal her, she's just so sweet. I mean, I, you know, there's something wrong. Like because we've watched TV before, yeah. you know, there's something wrong. But it's not like it's not way out there. It well, only I starts think- to really reveal itself when she feeds him and does not have anything to eat herself i think right right and um i think well i think with him her ruse is more successful because she's kind of gone <laughs> it together when, yeah. when she's dealing with with evie her shirt is incredibly dirty and weird and like she looks disheveled even though she's trying to put forth a very calm face yeah and evie i don't think was fooled for a minute even though she seems naive she is quite I think she she is quite in tune and and was in tune and um, I really love the little reveal where you know she's like you really shouldn't give an edible to somebody without telling them you know like that was like kind of cute and they set that up before that that's yeah. all she does is all she does is smoke and eat weed she doesn't do uh, she doesn't uh, drink alcohol yeah it's kind of fun uh, I also um, kind of aside from this end scene that we're describing the um, the way that they showed their their passage through Ohio and Michigan with like those postcard oh, backgrounds, I thought was nice. Uh, it's it's not a again, it's nothing like what you've seen in The Walking Dead. They just don't do that sort of like artistic welcome nope. to welcome to Las Vegas sort of um, you know title screen. Uh, and there was a and it, you know I talked about the music earlier and it started with that odd like drumline instrumental and then there was a lot of charlie pride and the Mm -hmm. two of them singing together uh and there was some like i'm trying to remember if this was the right episode or the next one but there was like some synth 80s music i think at some point also yeah a little bit of buddy holly too obviously as a key point uh with with the you know other prepper um and it's even like how they use music in this way is not something other than some fight scenes, we haven't seen a lot of this in The Walking Dead. And especially they used to do more when did. Beth was alive. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. They did and, more. and they'll do occasional uh, montages to modern music. Usually not those like not not quite as uh, liberally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other and as you said, the postcard piece of it and that kind of editing feels very cinematic to me versus like a TV show. Um, and a very different way, a very different style, which is good. I, I think that this was honestly just really a clever way to show their travel and progress. Um, and this, actually, yeah. that part felt to me a little bit like Zombieland, you know, like when they're right. going like on their little road trip, like yeah. to show the passage of time and stuff. So I felt like they were clipping from a few different places, which is kind of fun. But then they, you know, even though we know we're in this universe, and they have to fight zombies off at night though that one time, but they make that fun too because she's doing capoeira against zombies, which is and, and he's just like really impressed with her. And that's the night when they kind of stop the, mistrusting each other as much. Yeah, uh, she lets him get out of his handcuffs for the first time. Um, then the like when they get uh, their when the motorcycle gets stolen, 
it's still like it's not the kind of interactions we're used to in the walking dead where no. uh, the saviors would come and kill them and take their right. stuff. This, this guy like, leaves them a baby goat. sheep or a goat <laughs> or, or whatever, whatever it is. And then is like, thanks for the bike and drives off and he, he tries to shoot the guy, but he has no bullets. So the guy gets away and they don't seem to really mind by the end of the episode. They're not still talking about all the stuff they lost, mm-hmm. you know, like they're, they're just like, yeah, you know, moving on. Uh, life's good. And so it's like a completely different vibe. Yeah. Um, very positive and kind of uplifting. And yeah, I think this universe needs that for sure sometimes. Uh, so I thought that that was kind of a, a, an interesting and intentional take by uh, the showrunner. Right. And there was like a definitely some specific points where both of them and, you know, they're echoing each other, but saying like, there's still some nice things left, you know, and they, yeah. they're looking at sunrise or sunset and, um, I think that that is definitely a departure from what we've been seeing on the, the OG. Yeah. Uh, actually, not even, but the, a lot of the spinoffs. There there was a lightheartedness to this that we have not seen and a positivity to this that we have not seen in a very long time. Yeah, so, and, and Other I think than in a few spare moments, but like... Some of that is Evie being an optimistic and positive person and like rubbing off on, on Joe, but also yeah. Joe had that sort of joy in him while he was interacting with Gilligan at the beginning of the show. Yeah, he did. Uh, so you could tell that it was there. Uh, who doesn't have any of that joy or joie de vivre is Sandra, I think is her name, yeah. slash yeah. you should be scared. Um, and, you know, like she's just full on serial killer. The watch yep. reveal I thought was a pretty cool way to show that she Agreed. she's not new to this. <laughs> and yep. the story she was telling. Um, and I, I, yeah, I just really like the way that that unfolded. And, and, you know, you're cheering when Evie shows up with the sheep. Yep. Having found a, a beautiful painting of herself at Steve's cabin. And you're just like, oh, Evie, that's good for you. Good for you, girl. And then she comes and saves Joe. And you're just like, yeah, man, it was a this is just a lot of fun. Uh, and then they don't like just leave it there where they get out of the bunker and, and go off. And they also also choose not to stay in the bunker, which I think was kind of an interesting choice. They're just like, no, that's not for us. Our our future is outside and in the under this covered bridge where Joe is apparently just slaying bodies and, and they kind of walk off and choose to be at the beginning of their story. Yeah. I, I think it was just, just really nice, just really nice zombie stuff. I mean, yeah. So, so, and you know, it really was kind of good. To, like, I just think you, you're kind of see them flexing what they're, they're doing in the types of storytelling and things like that with this. And so I really enjoyed this little, vignette i thought that the cast was great um i think that terry cruz and olivia munn have really great chemistry together so i thought that that their interactions were really fun and great and believable um and then i also thought i'm not sure who the actor is that played sandra but she did a great job at seeming incredibly normal and then turning very on a dime so oh and and so i thought that this was really just like I was so excited and then I'm like, all right, next up. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and the other one couldn't be more of a departure. Like it's so totally different, which I think is the point of all these. Um, so, well, I mean, we'll see some of them. I mean, the next one I think is, is alpha and it is uh, alpha, so that's a little Lydia. bit of a story. Let me know. So, yeah. It feels like we're going to get deep, dipped right back into what we know. Um, and I imagine unless they, go you know very artistically in a different direction for some reason and which they could because alpha was bananas and so they could they could do a complete like you know storytelling like faulkner would do uh where you you're put inside 
the perspective of a character who sees the world very, very differently. And so we'll see. Anyway, I don't want to speculate because I don't know what it is, what's coming. Uh, but this next episode was directed by Michael Satrazimus, uh, a well-known director from this series. I believe he was the, was he not the showrunner yeah. for The World Beyond or was that Matthew Negrete? I, uh, I don't recall. I don't recall. But anyway, he's very involved in this. Whole... He has done a bunch of these episodes. But nothing quite like this, because this is a time loop or maybe not episode. This is your Groundhog Day, your oh, Palm it's Springs. Definitely, it's definitely a Groundhog Day, I think. Uh, both of or, them. I mean, they they try to throw some some questions in there at the end about whether or not, whether it's all in their heads or. Uh, but yeah. It, yeah. So. Again, with the casting. Yeah. Amazing. Jillian Bell and Parker Posey are. Just, I mean, Jillian Bell, I've never seen do a role like this. Parker Posey is playing an asshole, and that's kind of, she is a little bit typecast there. Uh, she's, you know, Dr. Smith on the, uh, on, oh God, what's that show called? Lost, Lost in Space. She's um, on a ton of stuff. She's amazing. And, and, but she's always Bell kind of played this character in a way, right? Right. Um, and, Jillian Bell has been in, I mean, she, she's been in a bunch of stuff. I mean, I think people know her from Brittany runs a marathon. If you saw that, um, workaholics also, is kind of where I got to know her. Yeah. But she also is in like bridesmaids and like, um, um, a few other things, like a lot of television shows. Um, I think she was on curb your enthusiasm and, and some other things like and, she's all over yeah. the place. I mean, so. part of her signature is like giving you these very direct looks and then saying something a little bit wacky. Right. And she does get to do some of that in this too. And she does just have like uh, amazing comic timing and, and presence, yeah. but it's also a much more straight character than I think I'm used to seeing her play. Yeah. And, but the, the, chemistry between her and Parker Posey is great. Their interactions are amazing. Um, the the whole evolution of, of their, how they interact with each other. Right. It's amazing. And there's like moments when you're like, okay, I get it. And they both have fantastic delivery on this and not just them, but like the support it's their interactions with everybody else who doesn't know what's going on. Um, so, so let's, <laughs> let's kind of get into it, which is like opens up sort of a normal, not normal, but like a, like a very like typical sort of zombie apocalypse thing is happening. People don't, don't know what's happening yet. And, you know, Parker Posey is this uh, really annoying boss. Um, and Jillian Bell is playing the secretary of G Gina. Um, and our circle of trust insurance company now yeah, forever yeah, and yeah. always. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's taking these like very specific terms and it's like, it goes really quickly. It's like Blair, who's the Parker Posey character is just incredibly awful in a care, like almost a caricature type of way. Yeah. And all the sort of interactions between her and, and Gina are in that sort of a, a bit of over the top. Um, and so, you know, it evolves pretty quickly. Um, where they have this inter this weird interaction in the parking lot of the gas and sip or whatever it is. And they basically embark into this Groundhog Day like time loop, which is like, but it's so ridiculous because it's like Gina basically has a shotgun in her truck, blows up a tanker truck accidentally. And then they basically restart and they restart every day like this um, in a Groundhog Day way in that 
both characters are working through specific things. Um, And it's really well done. It moves really quickly. And then they also like fast forward through time really quickly with like a montage of like very similar to Groundhog Day, how they like show a bunch of days where, you know, they just keep blowing themselves up. They, they almost always get blown up. I think there's yeah. there's one, maybe there's more than one, but there's it's almost always they get blown up with the truck, and this right. truck blows up very easily, which is what makes the final yeah, joke yeah. quite yeah. funny. Also, yeah, yeah. Like the truck is constantly exploding. Yeah. Um. And and there are these other like other characters in this narrative who none of whom are in in on it, like you mentioned. But like there's Brian Blair's uh, fiance. There's this agent from the DHS. His kid Wendell. Tanker mm-hmm. truck driver, poor guy, he dies every time, uh, just about, and and like a few a few other folks at the gas station and in the office, and yep. uh, like you said, the way that they interact with them, uh, is is pretty incredible, and it, it is very Groundhog Day in that Blair, like uh, you know Bill Murray's character in the in the movie is is just not a good person at the beginning, and then like works through, uh, a lot of the you know. And it's funny to think that if if Groundhog Day had had two characters instead of just him, uh, how they might have um, sped up the learning process, I guess, because Gina is definitely giving Blair pointers on like how to be a better person. Uh, Gina also has her own stuff. Um, and, And like, I don't know, it's really it's really interesting to hear her kind of admit to Blair like, yeah, you know, you've. You've made me have to be like a little bit less of a doormat. Um, and I, I keep dying a little bit less pissed off at myself, which I thought was a, a hilarious line. There's a lot of good lines in this show. Yeah. And th- it's also, you know, it is a little Palm Springs in that they actually have to eventually work together to get out of it or wherever they eventually end up, which is, you know, and then they have the question about whether this is actually something that's happening or if this is just a complete delusion and they never actually close the loop on that um, and basically just sort of say, OK, we'll just move forward and pretend like this is, this delusion is happening. <laughs> so um, it is ended. It ends on a positive and funny note um, where they are not totally unscathed um, because they're both sort of semi damaged by the, the explosion that eventually happens. I mean, but their hair is just hilarious yeah. by the yeah. end. Yeah. I also uh-huh. one of the, my favorite parts about this episode is the way that they when they come back to the beginning of the time loop, they're often still reacting to the last thing that happened to them. Uh, the first one, Parker Posey just breathes out a bunch of smoke from getting blown up in the truck. Yeah, uh, which I thought was was really funny. Then there's also they like they scream. They're looking in weird directions. They're yelling. Uh, and and yeah, this this episode is just nothing it's like nothing we've seen before on this show it is like things we've seen before in media which uh and and that makes it relatable and uh and you kind of have an idea of how it's going to end i guess it, it, it not like specifically what they're going to do but you know that they're going to have to end up working together to break the time loop because that's how time loops work right in films right. Right. And but this is the first time we've seen anything like this in The Walking Dead. And it tells you, I think it really shows you like, okay, we're going to go to the farthest end of this sort of whatever we're doing with this show. And there are no real rules to it. Um, So I think that's kind of fun. And it's also um, I just think um, I think the idea behind this one is is a lot of fun, too, and different. And so. Um, which, you know, I think 
the next episode, which involves um, characters that we know, um, it sort of sets that up so that I guess I don't even know what to expect on the next one. But I, I just think that this was a really, really, uh, I just enjoyed this thoroughly. It sounds like you did too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, the music in this one was not as noticeable for me, um, just as far as production uh, overthought, yeah. oversight goes. It was not as uh, familiar to me or, or noticeable to me as in the uh, Blair and Joe episode, not Blair and Joe, sorry, Evie and Joe episode. But there is some weird music in this. Like there's a, a what sounds like Star Wars villain theme yeah. uh, in one scene right before they start, like they get on the floor outside the in yep. the parking lot of the gas station and start fighting each other. Uh, there's... So there are still making they are the showrunners are still making like very interesting production decisions in terms of how they're putting the show together. This this episode also had a completely bananas title screen of like things exploding. Right. And this uh, one felt and even just like the way comparing it to the last um the last episode, just even the treatment and how people were styled and looked, like this felt very um much more like sort of um, like, as I said, caricatures and very specific styling in terms of their outfits and their makeup, like over the top and exaggerated in more of a like, I don't want to say sitcom way, but in almost more of a like a 70s sitcom ish or like a buddy cop movie or something. And the last one felt a lot more cinematic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I mean, so I kind of. Were- the, the costuming for both of these, like the the pair of people, and I guess maybe every episode is going to be made up of pair. a pair of people. Um, so Evie was dressed kind of like a crunchy hippie farmer. Yep. Uh, and Joe was more tactical, but not 100% like a like a military fanboy. He had those kind of cool boots, those like rain boots. I don't know. Uh, but he did have a tactical vest on. Um, very different, like very, you know, opposite. And then in this one, you've got Blair and her weird AstroTurf vest, yep. and her her neck, her neck <laughs> accessory <laughs> that they make a big deal about, those crazy yep. earrings, uh, her purple coat. And Jillian is wearing, not Jillian, sorry, uh, Gina is wearing like a billabong t-shirt over a yeah. turtleneck under a blazer. Yeah, it's a really weird outfit. Um, <laughs> she has a strange outfit on. I think everybody else is dressed fairly normally, right? I mean, Brian's right. wearing a sweater in Atlanta. I don't know when that's ever necessary, but uh, yeah. So I think costuming is also something that they, I mean, in a time loop, you have to pay attention to it, right? Because how many how many of those outfits did they destroy? <laughs> I know, right? Um, maybe it wasn't that many like the, the explosions were never like except for maybe the last one when they singed all of their hair and clothing it was mostly cg and and just kind of like a way to wipe the screen with flames <laughs> uh. True, but but anyway i have just to say well done well done and i'm looking forward to the next to the next episodes so yeah, I mean, this is a pretty high bar. I'm I'm yep. concerned. I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, I'm almost that... worried now that we're going back into a story we know we'll be disappointed, but we'll see. Um, I'm I'm still excited to watch it. Yeah, Samantha Morton was awesome as as Alpha. Uh, I don't know who they have playing her daughter. I don't think it's the actor. I don't think it who can played be. teenager teenager Lydia because I think this is going back further in history. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess next time we're going to do that episode and the one that comes after it. Um, so it's actually just called D for the next episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's not about two people, but I think it's about 
Alpha and Lydia and maybe some other people. And yeah. then the one after that is called Amy and Dr. or Amy slash Dr. Everett, um, which is the Anthony Edwards Poppy Lou episode. Ooh, that'd be good. Um, and that's actually, I mean, there's one more episode airing this weekend. And then the final episode doesn't air until September 18th. So we almost caught up with this entire yeah. show. We almost caught up. Well, awesome stuff. I I can't believe, in a way, I can't believe that the show is living up to the hype that I had in my head because it was pretty high. Yeah, um, me too. And I'm really excited that it is. So but, I'm yeah, props to Channing Powell, who was the showrunner yeah. for this one. And to Ron Underwood, Michael Satrazimus for those uh, for directing these episodes. Maya Goldsmith, Ben Sokolowski wrote the first one and Carrie Drake or Kari Drake wrote the uh, Blair Gina. And they were a lot of fun and I can't wait to do more of them. Agree. And so if you uh, watch this and have some thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Uh, you can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a note reanimatedpodcast.com. Or you can tweet at us at reanimated pcast. There, I did it despite my foggy brain. <laughs> you did it. You really and did I, it. And, and we're I'll... also on uh, Podbean now. So if you uh, use that app, you can you can listen to us uh, through there. But you, good job, good job, COVID, COVID Conrad. Yay! Hopefully, I'll be better by the next one. I'll be through it. I'll be through it. You should be. Um, be otherwise, you're in long COVID, and we have other other issues. Bye. All right. Until next time. Ciao. Toodles. <laughs>